Father God, King of creation, it is time to hear a word from your chosen herald, Pastor Walker. Set him on fire today, Father. Let him just be a megahorn. Let him just be the way to conjure the proportion of your word through him being your faithful instrument. And bless your people, correct your people, and lift up your people. In the name of Jesus, amen. Every morning I wake up, I realize that God has been good to me. 
every ache and pain I have, I realize that God has been good to me. And so I come to praise him today because he's worthy of all praises. I come to give him glory today because he's worthy of all glory. I come to worship him on this day, uh, the birthday of his son, Jesus Christ, and our Lord and Savior. And I just want somebody to help me to praise him today. And if you can't give my hands at the praise, or if you can't say hallelujah, you can't stand on your feet and raise your hands. For you know that he is the only one that has kept you alive. His name is Jesus. Let me say that again. His name is Jesus. King of kings, Lord of lords. Nobody can stand in his way. Giver and sustain of life. Master of the universe. To him we give glory and honor. To him we bow down. To him we give praise. Somebody say hallelujah. Extraordinary thing that happened. 
It said that there were some shepherds in the part of that country who were spending the night in the fields taking care of their flocks. An angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone over them. They were terribly afraid, but the angel said to them, don't be afraid, I am here with good news for you, which will bring great joy to all the people. On this very day in David's town, your Savior was born, Christ the Lord, and this is what will prove it to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And then the text tells us that suddenly, I like that word, suddenly, suddenly, a great army of heaven's angels appeared with the angel singing glory to God. Thank you. In Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, in this book, it says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. There are two narratives of the birth of Jesus, one in Luke and the other in Matthew. Down through the years, we have heard the perspective of the coming of the child Jesus from the shepherds, from Elizabeth, Zachariah's wife, also from the God-fearing man, Simeon, and the prophetess, Anna, all of these in Luke 2. Also from his mother, Mary, and her husband, Joseph, who was Jesus' stepfather. And these are in Matthew chapter 1. And in both cases, Angels or the Holy Spirit announced his birth. It wasn't kings or dignitaries or queens or government officials or people of high social standing that this message of good news was delivered to, but to lowly shepherds and to a young virgin girl named Mary and to Elizabeth, an old woman well beyond childbearing age, who was pregnant with John the Baptist. And to an old man named Simeon, who was promised he would not see death until he saw the Messiah. And an old woman named Anna, who served God in the temple day and night with fasting and prayer. Now, these are the ones who God gave to deliver the good news about his son Jesus. It gives us a little insight in how God thinks. These are people God trusted with the good news. But there are others. I want to talk to you about them today. We do not hear much about them, but let us look at the coming of the Holy Child Jesus from their perspective. I'm talking about the wise men. There are three things that they did that is essential to finding Jesus. And those things are still relevant today. They prepared for him. They were inspired by him. And then they exalted him. 
They prepared for him. They inspired by him and they, they exalted him. And so I want to talk to you today. I want to use this as my title, if I may. The wise man and the stock. The wise man and the stock. You'll find that text in Matthew chapter 12. I'm sorry, Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. I'm going to ask Minister Hathaway if he will come at this time and read this passage of scripture. And while he was coming, I would ask that you would turn up all your electronics that you have so we might not disturb God's word. Minister Hathaway, please. I'm sorry, Minister Lord. First of all, Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. Visitors from the east. Do we have it? Do I have a hold on? Amen. Jesus was born in the town of Bethlehem in Judea during the time when Herod was king. Soon afterward, some men who studied the stars came from the east to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the baby to be king of the Jews? We saw his star, and when it came up in the east, we have come to worship him. When King Herod heard about this, he was very upset. And so everyone, and so was everyone else in Jerusalem. He called together all the chief priests and teachers of the law and asked them, Where will the Messiah be born? In the town of Bethlehem in, Ju in Judea, they answered, For this is what the prophet wrote, Bethlehem in the land of Judea, you are by no means the least of the leading cities of Judea. For from you will come a leader who will guide my people, Israel. So Herod called the visitors from the east to a secret meeting and found out from them exactly the time the star had appeared. Then he sent them to Bethlehem with these instructions. Go and make a careful search for the child, and when you find him, let me know so that I too may go and worship him. And so they left. And on their way they saw the same star they had seen in the east. When they saw it, how happy they were. What joy was theirs. It went ahead of them until they stopped over a place where the child was. They went into the house, and when they saw the child with his mother Mary, they knelt down and worshipped him. They brought out their gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh, and presented them to him. Then they returned to their country by another road, since God had warned them in a dream not to go back to her. Amen. Thank you, Minister Lord. Eternal God, our Father, we ask that you give us wisdom and insight into this birth of your Son, Jesus. We ask, oh God, that you would help us to rightly divide your word today. So we ask that you would send the resident teacher, the Holy Spirit, who would help us as we go through your sacred scriptures. 
And now, God, I release myself into you that you would use me, O oh God, so that you might get the glory. May your holy name be glorified, magnified, and exalted today. In the blessed name of Jesus, we say thank you and amen. The wise men and the star. Nobody talks about the wise men. <laughs> you know, we, all, we hear from different perspectives, Mary and all the rest of them, and they were all around in Jerusalem and around in uh, Judea, but these wise men, they weren't Jews, they were from a faraway country. Yet, and you, you see the importance of Jesus because they traveled hundreds of miles uh, to see this child, not just to see him, but to fall down and worship him. And so that it gives us the importance of Jesus. We find that we, we, we find in verses one and two, we find out that these wise men were prepared and they were inspired. You see, you can't, you can't come to Jesus unless you prepare yourself. And when you prepare yourself, in your preparation, you get inspired. <laughs> the first two verses tell us Jesus was born in the town of Bethlehem in Judea during the time when Herod was king. And soon afterwards, some men who studied the stars came from the east to Jerusalem and asked, where is the baby born to be king of the Jews? We saw his star when it came up in the east, and we have come to worship him. Notice that it said we have come for a friendly visit. We didn't come, we have come to see how Mary's getting along, but we've come, we've traveled hundreds and hundreds of miles, and we come for one reason, to worship him. No, we're not Jews, but we know who he is, so we come to worship him. <laughs> Woo, praise the Lord, these, these wise men. But before we find out how they were prepared and inspired, concerning this baby Jesus. Let us find out who are these wise men? Nobody talks about them. Who are they? Well, the Greek word for wise men is magi. It's magi. It's a word that we get our word magician from. And in Pharaoh's Exodus chapter 6, verses 8 through 13, when we, they were where the text tells about Aaron's walking stick and the snake, uh, how uh, the magi magicians back then uh, duplicated uh, Aaron's snake. These are not those kind of magicians. They're, these magicians were what we would call today modern day scientists. They, they looked up into the heavens and they studied the stars. They didn't just look up there and look at the stars. They studied the stars. See, there's a difference in reading something and studying something. When you study something, you prepare, you're preparing yourself because not only are you reading something, but you want to know what it says. What does it mean? I just don't want to read. I want to know what it means. And even more importantly, what does it mean to me and my family? Amen, somebody. Reading is fine, but reading just passes on. But when you study, study stays right, right here. It stays there. And so they studied the stars. 
they studied the stars, and, and, and I know we hear, we see a lot of things now, we talk about the, the three wise men, and they say, we don't know how many they were. It might have been three, it might have been four, it might have been five, but scripture doesn't tell us that. We know that they were wise men. And we know that these wise men came from the east. And they could have been associated over the years with the magicians in Daniel chapter 2, verses 1 through 23. When you get a chance, when you go home, read that text. They could have been, they could have been the ancestors of these magicians that are coming to Jesus. You see, Daniel was, was taken along captivity uh, into Babylon in the year 605. And don't think that Daniel just went there and didn't bring his God with him because Daniel brought his God with him. And while he was there, he could expound it on the word of God and then these magicians could have picked it up from him and, and God's word spread that way there. And so most scholars say, well, they came from Daniel chapter 2 uh, from these uh, magicians back then. So some of these magi in Daniel 2 could have been the ancestors of these wise men in Matthew 2. The other question is, how did the wise men know the significance of this star? What, how did they know? Well, it could have been passed down to them over by other wise men. The star, the star seems to be referred to and is mentioned in Numbers chapter 24, 17 by a shady character by the name of Balaam. <laughs> he says in verse 17a of, of that text, I look into the future and I see the nation Israel, a king like a bright star will arise in that nation. Of course, these are thousands of years before uh, this even happened. Like a comet, he will come from Israel. Now the wise men prepared themselves by studying the stars, as I said, and using the information passed down to them by other wise men who studied the stars. Also by God's word by the prophet Micah. In Micah chapter 5, verse 2, which tells us, Bethlehem Ephrath, you are one of the smallest towns in Judah, but out of you I will bring a ruler for Israel whose family line goes back to ancient times. And so these white men prepared themselves by not only studying the stars, but picking up bits and pieces of the scriptures that was surely started by Daniel when he was exported to Babylon. But the key I want you to understand is that they studied and they prepared themselves. In order to accept Christ, we have to prepare ourselves for him. And we do that by reading the scriptures, by, by praying uh, fervently. Notice I didn't say this praying, but praying fervently, falling on our knees and giving our life to God, every area of our lives, not just on, on Sundays, but all during the week we give our lives to God, praying fervently for God. Amen, somebody. 
and they were inspired by the star. Now just think about this here. If you study the stars and you look at the stars and then there's, the, there's this brighter star, this bright star up there, and you say, hmm, that star is brighter than the rest of them. I wonder why. And then you, you, as you look at that star, you study it, you, you put together bits of scripture with that star and I said, oh, didn't we hear in the scriptures that, that from Bethlehem the king of Jews was coming? And oh, isn't the star uh, over there, over, uh, uh, sitting right over Bethlehem? Let's go and see this thing. They didn't get that by reading, they got that by studying. They got that by studying, and when you get studying and you get knowledge, you understand that, whoa, something important is happening here. Something is extraordinary is getting ready to happen here. Let's go see about this. <laughs> oh, praise the Lord. But this was not an ordinary star. They were in Babylon, and they saw the star over Israel. which was west of them. They understood that stars do not rise in the west, they rise in the east. But this star was stationed over Bethlehem. The stars moved from east to west. But with God, all things are possible. And they, stopped, they saw the star over Bethlehem and they started out for this star. They knew they had a long distance to travel, but this star was important to them. There was something about this star that was extraordinary, and they were going to find out that they believed that this was the king of the Jews that was being born. No, this wasn't an ordinary star. But it seems to me there wasn't a star then, no ordinary star. And what could it be? Well, some say it was the Shekinah glory of God. Somebody help me. This glory of God that shone over Bethlehem. Now we know that, 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 that other things like this had happened because in in Exodus chapter 13, verses 20 through 22, when the Israelites were in the desert, you'll find that this happened. And, and that text that says the Israelites left Sukkoth and camped at Ethan on the edge of the desert. During the day, the Lord went in front of them in a pillar of cloud to show them the way. And during the night, he went in front of them in a pillar of fire to give them light so that they could travel night and day. The pillar of cloud was always in front of the people during the day and the pillar of fire at night. Now suppose this could have been the Shekinah glory that was over Bethlehem uh, as this child was being born. Yes, this extraordinary star witnessed to the wise men and inspired them. Because consider Psalms chapter 19 verses 1 through 4a, which tells us how clearly the sky reveals God's glory. 
how plainly it shows what he has done. Each day it announces it to the following day. Each night repeats it to the next. No speech or words are used. No sound is heard. Yet their message goes out to all the world and it's heard to the ends of the earth. It's studying the stars. And this star, whether it was such a kind of glory or not, inspired them and started them on their way. And I ask us this question here, what stops us on our way? What star have we seen that will make us get up and move? <laughs> what have we read in the, in the scriptures that will make us get up and start doing something? What do we read and uh, what do we study that will say, I don't have time for this because I've got to get into God's word. I found something in God's word and I got to find out what it means to me and my family. What inspires us? See, you can't do anything unless you're inspired. Something has to inspire you to do something. Something has to move you off of where you're at to where God wants you to be. Uninspired people sit down and do nothing. But inspired people, they stand up and they move, even though they don't know where they're going. Like the wise men, that as people get inspired, they move. They don't know what's going on, but, but something inside of them is telling them they got to move, they got to do something. The star inspired them. What inspires us? What inspires us? God has given us a whole book of inspiration that covers every area of our life. No matter what's going on in our life, you can find it in the Bible. Whenever you stand in need of something, you can find it in the Bible. It's okay to have somebody pray for you. That's good because we should be praying for one another. But if you want to find a solution to your problem, get in God's word. Get in God's word and God will take you where you need to be at. It's a whole book of inspiration and it's free. Doesn't cost you anything. Amen, somebody. The stars inspired the wise men. God's word ought to inspire us. It ought to make us move and start doing something. We shouldn't be doing the same thing every day. Sometimes God wants us to go down another path. Of all the scriptures that we read, sometimes God will always take his, either the apostle or the prophet, and he would say, I want you to go down this path. They never said, well, I've never been down that path before. I don't know if I want to go down that path. They just went. And when they went down that path, they were inspired, and God used them for great things. Just think, God uses lowly shepherds and wise men who were not even from Israel and entrusted them with announcing the good news to the world. It's a pleasure, it's an honor to tell somebody that Jesus is Lord. God doesn't use anybody to do that. He uses special people to say that Jesus is Lord. These were the ones that he could trust. He couldn't trust the Pharisees or the priests or the teachers of the law. He trusted 
ordinary people and had them do extraordinary things. And he used his Shekinah glory to show these wise men where this good news was. I tell you, God is waiting to use ordinary people just like you and me to do extraordinary things. God can have you do things that you never even thought about, that you thought you were never even capable about. He can rise you up. He can make you a king or a queen if he so decides to do so. If you give your life to God, God said you put your life in my hands and I will lift you out of the muck in the mind. I will have you doing things that are unheard of. You are ordinary people. I will make you do extraordinary things. If you would just trust me, put your trust in me and put me to the test and see what I will do for you. That's what God's telling us. These wise men weren't anything of any significance. But yet they traveled hundreds and hundreds of miles and they didn't know what they were going for, but they understood that this was the king of Jews as being born and they had to go see him. They had to go worship him. If it was a thousand miles, they still went and worshiped him. Ordinary people doing extraordinary things. <sighs> Tell you God is waiting to use ordinary people just like you and me. All he, all he is waiting for us to, to, for us to say is the same thing that the prophet Isaiah said. Send me, I'll go. Send me, I'll go. But you don't know where you're going, I don't care, just send me. If God has sent me, I don't care where I'm going. Just send me and I'll go. Because when we go, we're not going by ourselves. We're going under the power of God. We're going under the power of the Holy Spirit who moves us. <laughs> For I tell you today, unto us a child is born, a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Prepared and inspired to do something. Now the wise men had, had prepared themselves by studying the stars. They had been inspired by the star, the Shekinah glory. Now they're ready to worship and exalt this holy child. So verses 9 and 12, our text tells us, And so they left King Herod and on their way, they saw the same star they had seen in the east. When they saw it, how happy they were. What joy was theirs. It went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. They went into the house, and when they saw the child with his mother Mary, they knelt down and worshipped him. They brought out their gifts of gold, frankincense, and mine. Myrrh, and presented them to him. Then they returned to their country by another road, since God had warned them in a dream not to go back to Herod. The text tells us when they saw the same star again, they were happy and they were joyful. 
You see, when we have prepared ourselves correctly with the word of God and are convinced that in our preparation we have found out the truth about and have been inspired by Jesus in the word of God. Then, then we can worship him in spirit and in truth. There's nothing like being prepared. There's nothing like being inspired. And we have all that information, then we can fall down and say, I worship you. I glorify you. We worship him in his word. Not only do we worship him, but we bring him into our personal lives. It is then that we are ready to worship our Lord and Savior. When we have been paid and have been inspired, there is then nothing that can stop us from worshiping and exalting Jesus. They just didn't worship and exalt him. They knelt down and worshiped and exalted him. Jesus says in Luke chapter 7 verse 28a, John, John the Baptist, is greater than anyone who have ever lived. And John says in Luke chapter 3 verse 16 that he is not even good enough to untie Jesus' sandals. You see, we exalt Jesus by thinking less of ourselves and more of Jesus. John the Baptist says he must decrease and Jesus must increase. And so the wise men kneel and subject themselves to Jesus. In order to exalt Jesus, you have to humble yourself and lower yourself, lower your expectations of who you really are. You, if you notice in our text, wise men didn't just bring themselves to Jesus, but they brought gifts. You don't go to Jesus empty-handed. When you come to Jesus, you, you have to bring something. You have to bring something to Jesus. Well, Pastor, what should we bring? Well, we should bring Romans 12.1. tells us what we should bring. It tells us, so then, my friends, because of God's great mercy to us, and I, I just want to get this through our heads here, because of God's great mercy to us, and see, we don't, we don't fully understand what, what, what that means now, but, but, but God has been merciful to all of us. There's things that we haven't seen that God has, mercy has been upon us. There might be times when we were, we're traveling in our cars down the highway and there's an accident about to happen and two miles away God has diverted this, this drunken driver off the road so we can drive. God's great mercy to us. There are times when women might be having a child and the child is ready, they're still born, but God intercedes in that little child and the child is born a regular child. These are God's great mercies to us. There are times when things are getting ready into our home at night. 
while we're asleep, we have no idea what's going on. And God in his great mercy diverts them away from our house. These are God's great mercies to us. There's times when we go to the doctor and we get there and we say, oh, I don't feel well. But on the way to the doctor, God's great mercy has healed us before we even get to the doctor. That's God's great mercy. He says, because of God's great mercy to us, right now God's great mercy is working in somebody. Somebody is receiving God's great mercy right now and they don't even know it. So Paul says, because of God's great mercy to us, I appeal to you. Because God has been good to you, I appeal to you to offer yourselves as a living sacrifice to God. Offer yourselves as a living sacrifice to God. Most people don't know, but, but Christianity is a sacrificial. It's sacrificial. You have to give up something. You have to give up something. Offer yourselves as a living sacrifice to God. Dedicated. Dedicated to his service. And what? Pleasing to him. And then Paul said, this is the true worship that you should offer. True worship. So what Paul is saying, this is true worship, and not other worship, it's false worship. That's what the text says here. This is true worship. And what is it? Offer yourselves as a living sacrifice to God, dedicated to his service and pleasing to him. This is the true worship. This little child that was born in, uh, in Bethlehem was born to die was born to die. And I know we say, well, we're all born to die, but he was born to die for all of us. When he was born, he offered himself as a living sacrifice the moment he left Mary's womb. And it came true when he was around 30 years old. The true worship. Offer yourselves as a living sacrifice. Now, the gifts that the wife had brought to the baby Jesus had great significance in my mind. The, the gold represents his birth. He was born as a pure gold. His life here on earth was like a sweet fragrance. This is the frankincense. And the myrrh represented his death. The myrrh was the spice the women used to embalm Jesus at his death. Now we can safely assume that when the wise men went back home that they spread the good news about this holy child born in a manger who was the king of kings and the lord of lords who was the savior of the world who came to bring good news of salvation to the poor to heal the brokenhearted to announce release to those who have been held captive by the evil one of this world all their lives to give freedom to those who have been in the spiritual prison all their lives you see there are some people who've been in spiritual prison all of their lives not only physical prison but spiritual prison and I'm talking about this holy child this, this, this child named Jesus who was born to die so, so that we could live. No wonder the wise men knelt before him. 
The whole world should kneel before him. No wonder the shepherds were terrified. No wonder heaven's angels sang glory to God in the highest. For a Savior has been born in David's town, and his name is Christ the Lord, who is worthy of all praises, all glory, and all honor. No wonder, no wonder, no wonder. To him every knee shall bow, every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord. Either now or later on, but it will do, we will do it one way or the other. And if we go outside at night and look up at the stars, we will notice that there was a star missing. And that's the Bethlehem star. Well, he sits at the right side of God right now, begging and pleading for us. And his name is Jesus. I said his name is Jesus. Don't look for him in the heavens because he's not there. He's at the right side of God. And don't look for him anywhere else because he's at the right side of God pleading for me and you right now at this moment, at this time. Right now he's pleading for you. Even though you might not think so, even though you might not know so, he's there right now. And even more importantly, God is listening to his son because he's pleased with him. And so this, this, this Christmas has great uh, significance, great significance because this child was born, this, this virgin, uh, born of a virgin, because without the birth, there's no resurrection. And so with this birth, then we know that there was a resurrection. And when there was a resurrection, he died on our behalf. And so he should be glorified, he should be magnified, he should be exalted because his name is Jesus. His name is above every other name that we can think of. His name is Jesus. Even the stars, they bow down to him. The moon and the sun, they bow down to him. Everything bows down to him because he created everything. And so we thank him on this day. We thank him on this Christmas Sunday. When we understand the, the magnitude of Christmas, we're not talking about frosty the snowman or, or, or all that uh, Rudolph the red-nosed reindeer and, and all that other crazy stuff. We're talking about Jesus, the Son of God, the one who, who sits at the right side of God, the one who saves us from damnation, the one who gave his life for us. We're talking about this little baby, this little child in a man manger who came to save us, who is worthy to be worshipped, who is worthy to be glorified, who is worthy to be magnified. This is the one we should bow down on our hands and knees and say, thank you, Father, for my life. Thank you for my life. Thank you for last night. Thank you for last yesterday. Thank you for last year. Thank you for the day I was born. Thank you. And that you have allowed me to be here You are the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, and I bow down to you today, for you are worthy of all praise.
To him be the glory. I said to him be the glory. I said to him be the glory. To him be the glory. Somebody knows what I'm talking about. To him we shout hallelujah. To him we bow down. I'm talking about Jesus. 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 I'm talking about the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. I'm talking about Jesus, the one who lives forever, the one who saved our lives. I'm talking about Jesus. For he is worthy. I said he's worthy. I said he's worthy. I said he's worthy. I said he's worthy. He's worthy of all praise. Somebody give him a hand clap and praise today. Somebody give him a hand clap and praise today. For he is worthy of all praise. To you, Jesus, and only to you, be the glory forever and ever on this Christmas day. We glorify your name. We magnify your name. We lift you up today. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah to your holy name today. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Woo. I'm talking about Jesus. I'm talking about Jesus. I can stay here all day and talk about Jesus. I don't have to say anything else. I'm talking about Jesus. I'm talking about the one who saves us. I'm talking about the one who saves our wretched lives. I'm talking about the one who gives us breath every single day. I'm talking about the one who blesses our family, our mothers, our fathers, our children, our grandparents. I'm talking about Jesus. The one who glorifies, the one who should be glorified. I'm talking about Jesus. That's who I'm talking about. I'm talking about Jesus. There's nobody else to talk about. I'm talking about Jesus. I'm here to give a praise to you. I'm here to glorify him again. I'm here to say thank you to you. I'm here to say thank you to you, to you, to you, to you, to you. Be the glory. Hallelujah, somebody. Somebody help me praise the Lord today. I want somebody to help me praise the Lord today. But he's worthy. Father, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for the plan you put in motion for our salvation. We thank you for the joy he brings. And Father, we will rejoice in Jesus. We will celebrate in Jesus and we come before him to worship him because he is worthy. Because you came in the person of Jesus for our salvation to give us hope from day to day, to show us how to love, to show us how to fellowship. And so we say, Hallelujah! Thank you, Father. In the name of Jesus, amen and amen and amen.